Amen. Good looking crowd today. Thank the Lord for all that he's doing here at CLW. We just thank the Lord and be praying for your pastor. I'm glad that him and his family's out together doing something together as a family. That's always good. Amen. Thank the Lord once again for all of our visitors. All right. Well, we're living in tough times, right? These are tough times. And it makes for tough decisions. And I'm going to share a few slides with you here in a moment. And uh, just to kind of show you, and this is just a glimpse, like, you know, a view from above. But here's some of the problems that we have facing us. Next slide, because we're not hooked up. Can any, everyone identify with some of them? I mean, you look at it. Those are some of the times I'll let you look at it just for a second. Let it sink into your mind and your heart. Because it's true, these are hard times. Next, there's all kinds of addictions. You can see it. It's there. Where I work at in Kansas City, I work on a, a road that I have to take several times a week. And on that road, it's nothing for me to see many, many young people and, 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 and older people under overpasses. I have seen syringes hanging out of people's arms. That's our inner city. Homelessness, it's bad. Addictions of all kinds. We're in tough times. Next, we have a gender identity crisis facing this nation. It's sad, but it's here. And because it's here, we have to deal with it. It's how we choose to deal with it. It's either going to lead someone to the Lord or it's going to drive them away. We have an identity crisis when it comes to gender. Next. We have human trafficking at an all-time high. There are more slaves today than there's ever been slaves in human history, according to the USA. We don't think about that, but there's more children, even adults, that are getting captured, taken away. We have more people in slavery today than we've ever had in history. Think about that. Next slide. Politics has split the nation right down the middle. Because everybody wants to stand on one side. My side's right, your side's wrong. Therefore, your side's wrong, your side's wrong, I'm going to call you names, I'm going to make remarks, because my side's right. These are troubling times. And in troubling times, we have to make tough decisions. How many realize this today? That we're not of this world. You got to believe that. If you say amen, you got to really believe it. And if I'm not of this world, I'm not going to act according to the world. So when I see these things that I have shown you, just some brief, and I could have showed you a lot more. We have to decide where is the voice of the Christian in these times. 
in these troubling times, where is our voice? Are we going to shout from the top of our lungs that we're Republicans or that we're Democrats or that we're for this or for that? Or are we going to shout the word of the living God? Mm. Because there's words at God's people. You're not of this world. And I can tell you right now, I've been to a lot of coffee shops in my life. And I can tell you right now, there has not been any coffee shop talk that's ever saved a soul when it comes to talking about this stuff. Now, if that coffee talk was talking about the Lord, then I could see some change. Amen. But when we get on the bandwagon and we just sing the doom and gloom and we look at all the things and we get pro-politics, pro-rights, I bless God I can do this or I can do that because it's my right. I want to tell you something. I lost all my right when I come to God. My right is to live in the freedom that Christ has provided. My right is to deny myself, deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. That's my right. So we live in tough times. You know, I, I, I love God's Word. And so God's Word speak to us, speaks to us in these times that we live. Romans 8.38, uh, 8, and you can read the whole chapter. I did it just in chunks because I'm going to read a lot of Scripture here because we're going to look at a prayer of Jesus in tough times, and I believe it's going to minister to you because it's the Word of God. Romans 8.38, for I'm persuaded. Everybody say, I'm persuaded. Man, say it like you believe it. I am persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, Mm-mm-mm. which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm. You think about it. Not tribulation, not distress, not persecution, not famine, not nakedness, not pearl, not sword. As written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Yell it out to the top of your voice. We are more than conquerors. Go ahead. Do it again. We are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. So I think I had a mistop there because I changed something. So I'm on the next, chap- next one already. So you think about this. Man, are we persuaded? Or are, are we just down in our hearts? Are we persuaded? Do we really believe that we're more than conquerors? Because we're either following the voice of God or we're following some other voice. Right? We're either following the voice of the world and Satan and his, his, his schemes. Or we're following the voice of God. We're talking about unwrapping Lazarus in our Sunday school class. And, and, and we, we, we made several Sundays out of this because it came from a book that I had read from Quentin Carter. And, and so I thought, you know what, this would be a great Sunday school lesson for our young people. So I take the little articles out there, but yet I write my own notes. And we've been talking about unwrapping Lazarus. And this week was week seven. We still hadn't got to the resurrection part. We're, we're seven weeks, or seven lessons in, and I think we're just now getting to, to, to where we're going to see the resurrection. But we're talking about... How Jesus came to the tomb. And Jesus called him by name. By name. Jesus knows our name. My wife brought out a point in the Sunday school lesson that I thought was phenomenal. She had read it somewhere, probably on Facebook or somewhere. She said, I can't remember. But she stated this, that even though, now think about this. Now, God knows your name. Now, here's, here's another thought for you that I shared with the teenagers this morning. God knows everything about you. 
And when I say everything about you, God knows everything about you. Watch this. He knows your past, which he's forgotten if you came to him. He chooses not to ever bring it up again. He knows your present, and he knows your future. In other words, God loves you so much right now, even though two years from now, if God tarries, some of us might make some bonehead decisions, and we might make a horrible sin, but yet God still loves us today. Today, even though he knows that we're going to fall in the future, he still loves us today. Man, Cheyenne, you were singing, y'all were singing about the love of God. Man, how deep is the love of God? Mm -hmm. So we get to a point, the last stages of Jesus' life, and I mean, man, I, I, I got to look at this because I thought, boy, and we're going to follow up with some thoughts, but I got to thinking, man, these are tough times that requires tough decisions. The tough decisions are going to come here in a moment. But Jesus realizes this, and, and, and if, if, you don't, if you do one thing for me this morning, go home today in your quiet time. Open the book of John and read the 17th chapter. It's a prayer from Jesus. It's a prayer from Jesus. Go home and read that prayer. And, it, and, it, and it's, a, it, it's, it's, a, it's a prayer that works. It's a prayer that's powerful. And so let's just look at it together. And so it says right here, a prayer from the heart of Jesus. Now, here we go. These words spake Jesus. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son may be, that may glorify thee. And, I, and I'm reading this out of the King James Version, and I chose the King James Version because it's just so poetic. It just, it fit. As thou hast given him power over all the flesh, that he should give eternal life as many as thou hast given him. Mm. This is eternal. This is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Mm -mm. How many wants to know him? Mm. How many wants to know him in the power of his resurrection? Amen. I mean, you got to get to the point. Jesus knows your name, but do you know the name of Jesus? Do you know that name? Or are you like the sons of Sceva that went around in the book of uh, Corinthians and he, they went around and they seen that the disciples were doing things. Book of Acts, I take that back. And they were doing things and they seen the disciples that the eyes were opening, the ears were unstopped, that people were getting healed. And so there was, they practiced sorcery. And so they thought, boy, we're going to go around and we're going to try to do some of this stuff too because they wanted to make money off of it, right? We see that today, uh-huh. Want to make money off of it. The only problem is they came across some demons. And they was going to cast these demons out, right? And they tried to cast the demons out. And the demons basically said, man, we know the name of Jesus. But we don't know it when you're using it. When you're using it. God knows us. Do we know him? Do we know him in these tough times? Do we know that God is going to see us through? Can somebody say amen? Do we know that God said, that Jesus said, in my father's house there's many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare one for you. How many believes that you have a mansion in heaven? So he prays this prayer. This is life eternal that they may know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I finish the work which thou gavest me.
to do. Next slide. Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Man, do you realize Christ left glory? We can't, I mean, man, when we sing songs that trip our triggers, when we sing songs that make us jump and worship the Lord, those are those God moments we have. Man, that's just a glimpse of the glory of heaven. Just a glimpse. And Jesus left the full glory, which we cannot even comprehend. We cannot even imagine. We can only imagine, as that song says. But boy, when we get to heaven, we're going to see the glory of God in his fullness. I have manifested thy name unto the man that thou hast gavest me out of the world. Now, this is a prayer, and he's praying for his disciples, but he's going to make a transition this prayer, this prayer and he's going to pray for us too. I have manifested thy name unto the man which thou gavest me out of the world, that they were, and thou gavest them me, and, thy, and they have kept thy word. I find that boggling to me. It just it boggles my mind that they have kept the word because me, knowing I've read the New Testament, I don't know how many times in my life, and I'm thinking... Did they really keep the word? And I think this was the foreknowledge of God. I think this was the foreknowledge of the prayer that he knew they was because all of them did except the one. For I have given unto them the words that thou hast gavest me, and they have received them, and they have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Next slide. Let's just continue to read because I'm going to let the word of God just speak to us. I pray for them. I pray for them. How many realize Jesus is still praying for you? If you if, let me tell you something. If you think you're all alone, you're not alone. If you think the world's giving up on you, if you think the church is giving up on you, I'm here to tell you there's one who is praying for you. He's on the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for us day and night, and his name is Jesus. Jesus, he's praying for us. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Boy, it makes, bring, this, this King James Version brings up the good old days. Amen. Man, I, I was raised in a church that if you had any other Bible, you would be cast out. <laughs> Times have changed. When I first started preaching, you know, well, it has been many moons ago, and back in the 80s, I thought everybody had to have a suit, so I always wore a suit when I preach. Now look at me, I look like a bum, huh? And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thy own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Man, if you have your Bibles in this prayer, when you go home and read it, oh, make a big circle, may be one. We will only accomplish what God has called this church to accomplish if we stay as one. If we stay in unity, you're going to see a part of that prayer in a minute. We will only continue to do what God, we will only continue to hit home runs if we stay in unity. Let me tell you something. It's easy. It is so easy to get out of unity, right? I mean, we all have tongues, man, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's the hardest member to control. Can somebody say amen? 
hardest member. The one good thing, my youth, I can't hear hardly anything. And I am going to get a hearing aids one day, young people. I am going to get a hearing aids one day. But right now, it's probably a blessing being a youth pastor that I don't hear everything. One. To, to, to be, I mean, he's, he's going to Calvary. What's he praying that we stay as one? I mean, this is such a, a prayer that's just wrapped, as you unra- just wrapped in God's blessings. As you unwrap it, you've seen one after another after another. You see the love of God. Next. While I was, them, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. You know, when you come to God and you ask God to come in your life, I mean, how many realizes that God has the power to keep you? Let me tell you something. He doesn't leave us as orphans. Mm, He's a power-keeping God. None of them is lost but the son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled. We know who that was. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. What did he give them? He gave them the word. What did he give them? He gave them the word. If you're not in your Bible, if you're depending upon pastor and his tidbits, pastor and his sermons, if you're depending upon anything I say, if you're depending upon your favorite one that you love to listen to, it's not enough. God said, I've given you the word, and I want to hear you. I want to tell you this morning, you have to get into the word of God to survive. you got to get in the word of God because when you get in the word of God, you can get the mind of God. If you don't get in the Word of God, you don't know the mind of God. You might know the mind of what some preacher says, but you don't know the mind of God. Let me tell you something. This morning, when I told the youth, when God said, Lazarus, come forth, God called me, and God still calls me. You say, what do you mean? I'm going to tell you something. At the age of 14, I am here to tell you God called me. I'm sure I'm telling you I was on the back row because that's the safest place to be if you're a sinner. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, but that's really where I want to sit when I, 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 I never had been to church, second time church in my whole life. And I had to go, and, and, I, and I went on my own accord. The first time was that morning. My mom said, you've got to go to church. My dad said, you're going to go. I had to go because my dad was a big guy. My dad, he, he instilled fear in his fear in me, and that if I didn't go, I knew what was going to happen, and I went to church that morning. But that afternoon, I was at a river. That afternoon, somebody was calling Paul's name. Something was happening. The Spirit of God was dragging. The Spirit of God was moving, and I found myself back at that church that night. I found myself on the back, back seat that night, and I found when the preacher gave the altar call the drag was dragging me so much the pool was pulling me so much it was God calling my name Paul come forth and out of death come life and ever since then God's been with me I didn't say I've been with God ever since then all along the way God has been with me, and he calls my name still to this day. Come on, Paul, does he really call your name? Oh, yes, he does. I can, I'm here to tell you I can be sitting in my recliner, and the thought comes into my mind, and that thought's like, man, that's a good thought. I find myself going up into my study. I find myself getting in a study, and I open the Word of God because God's calling me to a place. Paul, I've got something for you. Paul, I've got a nugget for you. Paul, I'm going to show you something. And I get up there, and I get lost for an hour, two hours studying God's Word. Why? Because God calls our name. Yeah. 
I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them. If you want to be in love with the world, you're not going to be in love with God. If you want to love the things of the world, now listen, I'm not talking that you go home, sell everything you have, get, you know, kick the dog, get rid of the dog, everything. I, no, no. But I'm telling you, if you have a mindset of the world, how many knows the mindset of the world is a poison to God? It's deadly. It's an enemy. Why? Because Satan's in this world and he comes to rob, to rob, steal, destroy, and kill everything that God has. And the mindset of the world is against God and the world hates God. I don't know how else to say it. It's the truth. I've given him that word. Proof of the pudding, he's praying for the disciples right now. Think about how the disciples died. The world hated them. The world hated them. I have given them the word, and the world have hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Mm-mm-mm. Next slide. Verse 15. This is a prayer. Did you, did you, you know, this is a powerful prayer. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, underline that. How many would just say, man, I just, I'm ready. I just, I just wish I could be in heaven right now. Well, that might not be what God wants. See, someone, all those pictures that I showed you at the first, somebody has to get to the point. Someone has to wake up and realize that we have the voice and the voice is from God and we need to share that voice in this dying, hurting world. We gotta have the heart that says, man, I want to minister this world even though I'm not of this world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from the evil. God's not in the business of taking us out of this world. God's in the business of restoring us and making us whole and then placing us right back out in the world. Why? Why? Because we have to go share the gospel. We are the feet and the hands that God uses to go and take the gospel to the world. We're too busy talking bad about the world. We're too busy down in the world. We're too busy down in this and that and this and that. We're caught up in all the wrong things. Why? Because we're not in the Word. And if we just get in the Word and we would ask the Spirit of God to come alive in our lives, we would see that there's a mission feral. We would see it the way Jesus see it. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We're so selfish. We're so selfish. Jesus wouldn't be selfish in this prayer. Jesus, I mean, just the, the humanity part of him would probably want to take all the disciples with him. He already knew. Remember the foreknowledge of God. Remember, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning, the end. I'm all in between. Jesus knew when he prayed this prayer what every disciple was going to face. Jesus knew when he prayed this prayer what you're, what you're facing today. You said, how's that possible? He's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. Nothing surprises God. Me? I get surprised. I mean, when I think I can't get surprised, someone calls me and shares something with me. And I'm like, whew, didn't see that in coming. Man, you know when you want to get close to God. And when you know that your time's at the end, this was Jesus was at the end. 
of living here on the earth. Man, you just, you just, you just want to leave a mark. You want to make things right. In my 44 years of ministry, I have seen a lot of people pass away. I've been at rugged men's funerals. I've been at rugged men's bedsides before they passed away and watched tears run down their cheeks. I have seen a lot of sad things that people who realized at the very end that they wasted their life. But yet we have a God that saved them. I share this story with you because I feel led, and I know my friend Nancy that's in heaven today will not, will not, it would not bother her one bit, nor her husband if he's watching. I've been friends with a lady named Nancy, more so with her than her husband, like just good, solid friends. She was a rough woman that came to the church that I pastored. Nobody really wanted to have a lot to do with her. She's just stern. Everybody was kind of standoff. I just took the loving to her. And Nancy shared her life story with me more than once. Tremendous life story. A lot of deaths in her family. Mom, dad. She shared with me that her, her son, I mean, that, uh, she shared with me that her, uh, uh, her husband and her daughter, she was working in a bar, and they were blew up in the apartment. She heard the explosion, and she knew what it was. And I suppose that was probably 28 years ago. Three weeks ago, Nancy called me. Everything she ever told me was true except one thing. That story. And she calls me, and like I told you, when you don't think you can be surprised no more, you can be surprised. And I share this because it's the heart of this prayer that God wants us to realize that he's with us. It's the heart of the prayer that God is going to keep us from evil. I go over to Nancy and Pat's house, and I'm sitting there. And I knew there was an awkward sign. She's bedridden. She passed away here two weeks ago. So this was three or four weeks ago. And she said, I'm so ashamed, and she started crying. Just bawling. I'm like, Nancy, what's wrong? I'm so ashamed. I said, Nancy, what's wrong? She goes, I just have something to tell you. And I said, Nancy, you don't need to tell me. And I stopped myself because I realized whatever she had to tell me was going to be something that she needed to get off her chest. So I didn't stop her. I sat there and I listened. And she said, the story that I told you about my husband and my daughter has been a lie. 28 years. I've even preached on the story. 28 years I believed this. And she goes, it's a lie. I'm so ashamed, and she's bawling. You know, this church is good on about, we, we, we speak a lot about forgiveness and bitterness. You better, you better hear this story. You better hear this story. And she said, that was not the truth, what I told you about my daughter and my husband. She got my attention, you know. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at her, tears rolling down her cheek. Her husband's sitting over there at the table, tears is rolling down his cheek. She goes, I killed my husband. 
okay? He goes, I have a daughter. He goes, I went to prison. He beat on me, he beat on me, he beat on me, and I killed him. And I served my time in prison. She shared some other things with me, too, that I won't go into detail. That bothered her. She did her time. He beat on her and she killed him. The thing about it was, is before that time, her daughter had found her on Facebook. All those years, her daughter came and visited her more than once that I did not know about. And she shared that with me, and about eight days later, she went on with the Lord. But as she was telling me this story, and as she was bawling, I could see relief just coming out of her. I have never seen a more powerful prayer than this prayer in John 17. He is pouring his soul out. I pray that thou shouldest take them, that thou, thou shouldest take them out. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep, thou should keep them from evil, from evil. If, if Jesus is praying that, that we need to be kept from evil, would everybody give me this, give me the evils in the world? I did enough slides to show you where the evil is. That's not what we should focus on because Jesus is praying that he's going to keep us from evil. That they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. We're not of the world, God's people. Sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Sanctified that you'd be separated. You'd separate yourself from the word. That you'd be separate. That you would hide your life in the word of God. And you'd let the word of God be governed, be king, be Lord of your life. Let the word of God be true. Next. Neither I pray... For these alone. Now, this is that foresight I was telling you about. He prayed for his disciples, knew what they were going to face. And then he goes, neither I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Who's that? Who's that? Come on, somebody say, man, that's me. That's me. That's you. If you believe the word of God, if you believe Jesus came and died on the cross for you and was resurrected on the third day, and because he was resurrected, you have life. That's you. That they all may be, uh-oh, here it comes again, one. Man, the greatest disservice we could ever do this church is not be one. The greatest disservice we could ever do this church is getting on our little pity parties or going on our own mindsets and say it has to be my way or no way and begin to talk about the leadership or talk about this Christian or talk about that Christian. That's the world. Man, as long as we stay unified, man, I want to tell you something. This is just the start. This is just, man, they were unified on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 were saved. And then there was added to the church daily. Man, when you get unified, guess what happens? Great things. You want to have a great marriage, you get unified. You want to have, be good parents, you get unified. Come on. That they all may be one as thy father art me and I in thee. They also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. 
How is the world going to believe that Christ was sent if we stay one? If we stay true to the word of God? If we stay true to the message of Christ? Not if I get out there and toot my horn, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm anti-this, anti-that. That's just a vision. Our world is suffering. Our nation is suffering because it's divided right down the middle. And are you a part of that division or do you have the answer to bring unity? And the only thing that's going to bring unity in their soul is the word of God. Mm. And the glory which thou gavest me have given them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them, mm, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast, that thou hast sent me, thou hast loved them, and thou hast loved me. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed for you and me. That's the prayer that he's interceding right now on the right hand of the Father for you and me. Next. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Mm. O righteous Father. The world hath not known thee, but I've known thee, and thou hast known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. You think Jesus don't love you? Have you prayed a prayer like this for anybody? Go back and read John 17. Have you prayed a prayer like that for, for anybody? Next. So seven requests from the heart of Christ. Jesus prayed that we would have eternal life. How many is thankful? Jesus prayed for his disciples unity. How many loves unity? How many loves unity? Come on, how many loves unity? Jesus prayed for our safety from the evil one. Mm-mm-mm. Jesus prayed that we'd be sanctified, set apart, in other words, and the truth, the, the truth, the truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, according to the Gospel of John. Mm. Jesus prayed that all Christians would be unified, now not as disciples, but all Christians. Hey, is Jesus' prayer working today? Are we unified? I don't know if y'all convinced y'all or not. If Jesus is praying that we'd have eternal life, then there's going to be some eternal life. If Jesus prayed for disciples' unity, we know that they were unified on the day of Pentecost. Jesus prayed for the safety from the evil one. If he's able to keep them from the evil one, we know that he's able to keep us from the evil one. Jesus prayed that we should be set apart for the truth, then, we, then we're being set apart for the truth. Jesus prayed that all Christians would be unified. That's us. I hear people nitpicking about the dumbest things, and that's all it is to me is nitpicking. It's not an I don't care attitude. It's just nitpicking. It's just nitpicking. It's just, and it just destroys the move of God. It's just people get so divisive and, and it just get to, about, about anything. I mean, just, just, just stuff. How many's with me? How many's with me? Does your words produce life or do they produce death? The scripture talks about what comes out of our mouth gives life or it gives death. How much life are we given? 
This is a prayer of life. How much life are we giving? Are we that just negative, old, grouchy, mean person? The thing that I have to watch myself, I have to get to a point to where I, I, I don't want to be that old, little, grumpy man. Imagine the youth already see me as that old, little, grumpy guy. I don't want to be that. Two weeks ago, I found myself just in a bad place. In a bad place, man, just work was really tremendous. There's some stuff here on the church that was just, it weighs heavy. Uh, the youth group weighs heavy on my heart. I don't know if they realize that or not. They weigh really heavy on my heart at all times. And I was just at a point I was ready to explode. I told Victoria, I've got to leave. I've got to get out of Dodge because if I don't get out of Dodge, what comes out of me is not going to be pleasant. Ain't that right, Taylor? And, and, and I had to get away, and I said, babe, she couldn't go because she had prior appointments. And so I took myself to Cosmel, and I sat on the beach for five days. I didn't sit on the beach to enjoy anything. I didn't go in the water once, twice maybe. I needed to get away with God. I stayed in my room the hardest part of the day, and I just stayed in my room, and I worked, and I typed, and I typed, and I typed. I just needed some alone time with God because I knew that what was going to come out of me wasn't going to unify nobody. I knew that what was going to come out of me was going to be flesh. And I really don't want to hurt anybody with my tongue. I realize with my tongue I have the power to speak life or I have the power to speak death. I do believe this, that a flick of tongue, there has been many people say that a flick of tongue, there has been many wars in this world. I believe that I am responsible to look at this prayer, this seven request. I believe I'm responsible to accept, to accept this prayer, to, say, to accept this and say, Christ did this for me. Christ is praying this for me. And Jesus, if you're spending the time on the right hand of the Father praying that we should be unified, I want to be unified. Jesus prayed the church would see his glory. Do you know that God wants us to see his glory to this, this morning? He wants us, we sing those songs and we're going to sing some, we're going we're to knock this off here in a second. I'm not a 12 o'clock preacher. Somebody say amen. amen. Daniel, are you listening? Somebody say amen. amen. I give him such a hard time. I want to have some altar time here in a little bit because I believe that some of you, some of you are going to hear your name called. You're going to hear your name called because why? See, Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus is all-doing. He's doing it at all times. He's interceding at all times. And I'm going to tell you something. You're here this morning. It's a divine appointment from God. You're here this morning for the Spirit of God to draw you and for God to do His work in your life. Jesus prayed that the church would see His glory. I went to a youth conference down in Texas not, not too many weeks ago. Took about 18 of them. I'm not saying that I agreed with everything that I've seen at that youth conference. But what I did agree with was watching the glory of God fall. And watching kids in a protective environment wanting to worship God until they were told they had to go to their rooms. I prayed that the church would see his glory. How many is thankful? And it's only by, it's just unmerited favor. I mean, it's only by God's grace. How many is thankful that we've been experiencing some glory around here? When I look around and I look where we started off at the bingo hall, that's when I came. I call it the bingo hall, that's when I came. I remember when I left the church, 
where I was at, and because we moved here, and I'm a one church person. I'm not a church hopper. Never have been. I think I've only been in three or four churches my whole life, just because, and that, that's just because I had to move. I'm not a church hopper. I, 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 once, I, once I start saying I'm going to go to that church, I plant my feet in there, the good, the bad, the ugly, all in between. I there as a brother in the Lord. I want to stand today. I am here. I am standing firm on this ground. I am standing firm, and I know that God's called me here, and I'm going to say it and say it again because God's called me to help our pastor out in a lot of different situations. I'm there to voice my opinion, to help him, to pray for him. I'm here because God's given you for me to me to minister to. God's given me this lovely youth group to minister to. I'm here because I know that I'm seeing the glory of God fall. Then Jesus sums up the prayer and he prays this. Jesus says that, you know, the prayer he prays that he will continue to make God's name known. We live in a world that I showed you that's all messed up. The only way that, I mean, I mean I'm here to tell you, God uses us to get his name out, to get his name out. We, we just get too busy, too caught up in doing other junk. God's called us. He says, I pray. And I'm praying for you that God's name is going to continue to be magnified. Last slide. Living in tough times makes for tough decisions. So here's the question that I present to you. Come on, group. Are we going to believe the prayer of Jesus. Are we going to believe that that prayer that I read through is the prayer that Jesus prayed for you, for me, for all of us? Do we really believe he prayed that prayer? And if we really believe, I just can't picture, there's something me just can't picture Jesus praying and nothing happening. I mean, if Jesus prays, something's going to happen, right? Are we going to believe in the prayer of Jesus? Are we going to decide to separate from worldly thinking? Stinking old worldly thinking that causes us to be divided? As Christians, we have no part of that. We should be given life, not death. Are we going to decide to stay in unity? Are we going to decide to see his glory? Those are some decisions in there that you're going to have to make. Tough decisions because they are tough. I love the young people. At least they're honest. We talked about some of this this morning. And I said, what keeps you from being the person that you need to be at school? Peer pressure. First answer. True answer, right? Good answer, right? We still deal with it as adults. Listen, adults. Listen to me. Listen to me good. These young people you might, that you think are messed up, you're just as messed up. They've learned that from somewhere. I'm for you guys. See, I'll get on y'all's side. I'll be on y'all's side. Y'all just keep loving me. I'm going to get your parents. To, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> How many wants to see the glory of God this morning? Jesus is calling you by name. And I've said this before, but this thought came to me this week. Because I'm really big on one phrase. How many believes that the devil tries to tempt you? How many here have been tempted? 
Then has the devil tried or did the devil tempt you? It's about like it's one of these weird minds. The devil don't try. He's out to rob, steal, kill, and destroy everything that God's built in you. Listen to me. So if the devil tries to do this, how many believes that God tries to fight him off? He don't try. He don't try. See, this morning, God's people, I am convinced of this one thing. That some of you have been convicted to the very core. Now are you going to respond? See, God does his part. Jesus ain't trying to pray a prayer. Jesus is praying the prayer. Jesus is interceding for all of us right now. He's not trying. He's interceding. He's praying. It just comes right down to the decision, Cheyenne. Are we going to obey or disobey? And that's what it comes down to. How we got to the point in life that we really want to deny ourselves. That we want to decrease and we want to watch God increase. Because when you get to that point, God's people, when you want to decrease this mess and you want to increase the glory of God, guess what? Revival's at I mean, it's there knocking. Guess what? Things are going to happen in your life. We can't see those things because we're so bogged down. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Prayer team, you can come up. My friend Nancy waited 28 years to get something off of her chest. My words to Nancy after she told me and tears was rolling down her face was simply this. Nancy, I don't love you no less. I love you even more. Some of you are carrying some stuff. Man, some of you are just trying and you hadn't, you hadn't really believed in this prayer. Some of you are trying to do it and you're hurting. Man, we live in a tough world that requires tough decisions. And it's tough sometimes to surrender. It's tough to give it all to God. But I want to tell you this morning, don't hold off. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Christ to come into your life. It is the greatest step that you'll ever do. I promise you, if you ask Christ to come into your life, your life will change. Some of you just made a mess out of things. Man, I know I made a mess out of some things in my life. Cheyenne's going to begin to sing right after I pray. And after I pray, these altars are going to be open. Father, as your son prayed for us, may we pray with him in unity and receive what he prayed for us. I pray this morning that the spirit of the living God would convict people. I pray this morning the Spirit of the living God would, would convict people to come to these altars to get things out of their life, not to hold on, to realize this is a rough world, but we're not of this world. We live in this world where we're not of this world. You have set us free, and now, God, you have placed us back into the world after you set us free to spread the love of God, to spread the message. I pray for these people. 
I pray for this church that we would be in unity. I pray for this church, God, that we, most of all, would want to see your glory this morning. That we'd want to see your glory. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. And everybody said, these altars are open. Won't you come? Won't you come?